Good morning, folks. You're listening to Morning Mixtape News for Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Anna Giselle Funasang, reporting from Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. Here are our stories for today. Ontario's new housing minister says he plans on continuing greenbelt development. Toronto City Council debates the future of homeless refugees amidst housing crisis. And lastly, thousands return to Yellowknife as wildfire evacuations lift. Then, a story from Krishna with a new episode of Hidden Histories and from Amber for some tip updates. Well, with so much news and so little time, let's get to it. First up, this Wednesday, Ontario's new housing minister says he plans to continue greenbelt development on 14 sites. According to the CBC, Minister Paul Kalanda is calling for accountability as he processes existing land development deals. At a press conference Wednesday, Kalanda said, quote, We want to ensure the highest level of accountability on those sites and future sites, end quote. Kalanda's reign follows former housing minister Steve Clark's resignation on Monday. A recent report from Ontario's Integrity Commissioner found Clark worthy of reprimand for his improper handling of the Greenbelt land swap. In August, Ontario's Auditor General found that Clark favoured developers with close ties to him and Ford. According to the CBC, Clark resigned amid calls from Indigenous and opposition leaders to step down. Despite Clark's mishandling, there is no plan to stop development. The PC government says Greenbelt development is crucial to them meeting their goal of creating 1.5 million homes in the next decade. According to the CBC, opposition members of the cabinet are calling for the areas to be returned as protected land. In a 2018 campaign promise, Ford said that he'd keep the Greenbelt entirely intact and untouched. The CBC says Kalanda expects development to begin by 2025. Next up, In Toronto, Mayor Chow says she expects refugees to make up for half of the city's homeless population by the end of the year. According to Global News, Olivia Chow called for federal funding and a special meeting of Toronto City Council this Wednesday. The meeting debated the city's financial future amidst a housing crisis. Chow emphasized that the city's lack of financial resources will further the strain felt by homeless refugees for whom there is little support. The mayor said that the number of Toronto's refugee claimants rose to 3,300 in 2023. She said it could easily rise to 4,500 by the end of the year. A report presented to City Council recommends the city ask for $200 million in federal funding to directly support refugees needing shelter. The federal government has previously noted that it is a provincial and municipal responsibility to house asylum seekers, but will make exceptions in dire cases. The Global Mail reports that 1,200 more people experiencing homelessness in Toronto receive help from outside the shelter system. They say Black-led churches and community-centered organizations stepped in to help in the crisis this summer. They will split compensation of $750,000. According to the Globe and Mail, an average of over 200 people nightly went without a space to sleep this summer. The city currently has 9,000 shelter spaces available. Toronto's city budget is predicted to rise to $46.5 billion within the next decade. And according to the Globe and Mail, Toronto's 2024 budget will see a shortfall of $1.5 billion. The meeting Wednesday discussed possible options for a new city revenue, including a surtax on homes worth more than $3 million. Finally, in national news, residents of Yellowknife are planning to return home as wildfire evacuations lift. According to the Globe and Mail, 
Thousands of evacuated Yellowknife residents are expected to return home this week. As of August 16th, over 20,000 people were forced to leave as nearby wildfires approached. The fire that threatened the area is now considered under control. The Emergency Management Organization says they expect over 2,000 people to return via air this week alone. The Globe and Mail reports that while some affected by fires are returning, thousands others from Hay River and Fort Smith areas will remain displaced. Well, that's it for me today. Here's Krishna with some hidden histories. Good morning, I'm Krishna Prasad and welcome to this week's Hidden History segment where I talk about the little-known stories behind our everyday world. It's that time again, when schools reopen and so do the Walmart back-to-school aisles, fresh with notebooks, planners, and stationery aplenty. The tradition of back-to-school shopping, however, has a surprising amount of history behind it. So, to celebrate this upcoming school year, let's talk about the stories behind some of our back-to-school staples. Take backpacks, for example. Originally, children would carry leather satchels or book straps that looked a lot like modern-day messenger bags to carry their stuff in. The predecessor to backpacks in general was made in the 1920s when Lloyd Nelson patented a design after an Alaskan hiking trip inspired by Inuit sealskin and wood designs. But according to Time magazine, the first backpack resembling our modern one was invented by outdoor living brand Jerry Outdoors for outdoor activities like hiking or camping. This particular version wouldn't catch on amongst the student population, but Jansport's subsequent version, a nylon lightweight backpack, absolutely would. Though initially marketed to student hikers, students began to realize it made for a much more comfortable alternative to just lugging their books around by hand or strap. And it's this backpack that evolved into the one we all know and love today. The early 20th century also saw an uptick in women attending colleges and universities, which meant great change for the fashion industry as well as academia. According to JSTOR Daily, department stores embraced the new demographic, and in the 1930s, they invented college shops, seasonal pop-ups that offered clothing designed for and by college students. This new style was way more casual and designed so you could mix and match combinations. The trend blended skirts and shorts and other feminine aesthetics with masculine aesthetic sweaters and sportswear, which the older generation did not appreciate, calling this new style sloppy and unkempt. This sentiment was shared by the more conservative clothing manufacturers and executives, who tried to push more formal, old-school styles towards the women. Styles that they promptly kicked to the curb in favor of more casual outfits. The stores took this as a challenge, though, and leaned into a whole bunch of gimmicks, from milk bars to all-college student staff, to bring customers back, but they simply weren't having it. By the 70s, the shops admitted defeat and closed up, but the effect that this phenomenon had on the fashion industry, particularly surrounding back-to-school outfits, lives on to this day. That's all for this week's Hidden Histories. I'm Krishna Prasad, reporting for Met Radio, 1280 AM, Toronto, and thanks for listening. Well, that's it for me today. I'm your host, Anna Giselle Funasang, reporting for Met Radio, 1280 AM, in Toronto. Hello, 
I'm Amber, and you're listening to Met Radio, CJTM 1280 AM. And this is my Toronto International Film Festival look ahead. As it is officially the first day of the festival, there are some super exciting films coming to the big screen today. Two of the films that are premiering tonight are The Boy and the Heron as well as Gonzo Girl. And these are at the top of my list for this year's festival, along with Stop Making Sense and Dream Scenario, but we'll talk about those a little bit later. So first off, The Boy and the Heron is the newest Studio Ghibli film. It's said to be the final film from Hayao Miyazaki, who also directed the critically acclaimed film Spirited Away. Gonzo Girl is starring Willem Dafoe and directed by Patricia Arquette. The film follows a young writer who gets a job as the assistant of the famed journalist Hunter S. Thompson. Another film I'm really excited for is Dream Scenario, which is co-directed by Ari Aster. Though I didn't really like his last film, Bo is Afraid, I still have high hopes for this one considering he directed masterpieces like Midsummer and Hereditary. Lastly, I'm really excited to see the 40th anniversary rerun of Stop Making Sense. In my opinion, this is the best concert film starring the incredible Talking Heads. The members of the band will actually be at TIFF attending a Q&A with Spike Lee next week. And we will be doing coverage of the festival for the next couple of weeks, so please be sure to tune in. Thank you so much for listening. From Met Radio, I'm Amber.